0: If you've got your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32. So just to review kind of where we've been, the fifth week in a five-week series on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and last week and this week have primarily been about uh, Jacob, and uh, last week what we learned is that Jacob and Esau are twin brothers. Uh, Their parents, Isaac and Rebekah, played favorites. And who liked who? Does anybody remember? Rebecca liked yeah, Rebecca liked Isaac. Yeah, she married him. Um, but which one of the kids? Yes, she liked Jacob best. And Isaac liked Esau. And remember what Jacob's name meant. Jacob's name meant deceiver. And is, the root of his name is kind of slippery, right? We talked about the slipperiness of his speech and the slipperiness of his skin. And Esau's name is kind of the exact opposite. His name means... Harry. Yeah, he came out all red and hairy like garment, which is still one of the weirdest statements in all of Scripture, but it's there, so we'll run with it. And uh, Jacob deceives Esau. He deceives Isaac. He's deceiving lots of people. Rebecca's in on this. They get the blessing and the birthright to Jacob, and then Jacob leaves town, and Esau says, I'm going to kill him. As soon as Daddy dies, I'm going to kill him. So we come to the point in the story here Uh, In Genesis 32, now we left off last week in Genesis 28 and Genesis 29, 30, and 31, so Jacob goes to his uncle's house, Laban, and uh, in 29, 30, and 31, he gets married twice, has kids with four different women, and gets filthy rich. So we're going to skip those chapters, right, and we come to Genesis 32, and now, lo and behold... Jacob's got it in his mind, we're going to go reconcile with Esau. We're going to go find Esau and see where this thing goes. Okay, so that's where we're at. Now, he hasn't seen Esau in at least 20 years. And the last thing that he hears about Esau is from his mama. And his mama tells him, one day he will forget. One day he will forget that you deceived him and everything will be okay. Okay. And last week, I actually joked about that and said, seriously, I mean, like he's going to forget this? So this lesson is about reconciliation. True reconciliation requires change, if you've got your hand out there. True reconciliation requires change. And we're going to watch the change in Jacob this week. It's pretty interesting to see. So Genesis 32. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Now, there are places in Scripture where there are just kind of random comments, and you go, What? What was that for? The angels of God met him. I have no idea why the angels of God showed up here. I read all kinds of commentaries, and every commentary I read had a slightly different perspective, which generally tells me they're guessing. Okay. So the angels of God met him. Why did the angels come? Probably because God told them to come, and we'll leave it at that. So the angels of God met him, and when Jacob saw them, the angels, he said, this is God's camp. And he called that place of that name Machaniham, which means two camps. So Jacob's got this camp. He's very rich, lots of cattle, lots of, sorry, women and kids, and just, he's very rich, and God's got this camp. So there's a place of two camps. Verse 3, then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. Now, do you remember the blessing, the, I'm going to put I've had air quotes, the blessing that Isaac gave Esau last week? Remember we read the blessing and everybody was kind of like, that was a blessing? Really? It wasn't really that great of a blessing. Because he said, by your sword you shall live. So you're going to have to kill things to live. All right? So what Esau's family does, Esau and his family, they go into this land of Seir. And they drive out the people there. We learn about this in Deuteronomy chapter 2. They drive out the people there and they kill all these people and they take over the land. So, by the sword... They lived. So we see that already, three verses into this chapter, both of Isaac's blessings have come to pass. Jacob is incredibly wealthy, and Esau has already lived by the sword. So both of these things have happened. So verse 4. And he commanded them, Jacob commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau, thus your servant. Whew, Okay. Pay attention there. Thus, your servant Jacob says, "I have dwelt with Laban and lived there until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and have sent to tell my lord you that I may find favor in your sight." So Jacob's doing several different things right here. Number one, he's telling me that he's coming in peace. He's coming in peace because the last time they met, there was not peace. There was a rift between these two. So he's coming in peace. He's he's telling him that I've got money, galore. I'm not coming to take anything else from you, right? Because every interaction in the Bible up to this point between Jacob and Esau, Esau has lost something, right? So it would be good just to kind of say, I'm not taking anything this time, all right? And the third thing he says, he says, I'm your servant. So why would he say that? Why would he say, I'm your servant? So for those of you that are new to my Sunday school class, when I reach for my cup, this is the time where you respond. He's being humble, absolutely. Have we seen this in Jacob yet? No, we have seen the exact opposite, right? We have seen deceit and treachery and stealthily moving around, right? And he's he's coming over here and he's whispering with his mama. He's coming over here and he's tricking Isaac. And he, right, we haven't seen humility out of Jacob yet, which that's kind of cool. Now, where's he been for 20 years? Living with his father-in-law. Perhaps those two concepts are linked. I don't know. Verse six. Then the messenger that was a joke, by the way. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is also coming to meet you. Yeah. All right. This is fantastic, right? And the only problem with this verse is there's a comma there and not a period. And after the comma it says and he's got four hundred men with him. Four hundred, you say. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Everybody's familiar with Hamlet, right? The Shakespearean play. And you all have probably heard the line, to be or not to be. That is the question. Well, about 20 lines later in Hamlet, there's another little phrase that says, thus conscience does make cowards of us all. Because we know when we've messed up and we know when the environment is such that, yeah, karma's about to happen right here. (laughs) Yes, your Sunday school teacher just said, "Karma," it's okay, right? We'll cover that in the New Testament, all right? So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Now, this word for distressed is a really cool word. Can I put that there? You won't like steal it or play games with it? Okay, cool. because there's some cool games on there. I mean, it's OK. So this word for distressed." Um, Lynn, can you help me out? Mike, can you help me out? Uh, Jason, can you help me out? Help me out. Come on, Barry. There we go. Oh, okay. All right, so this word, I need more. I need, come on, come on, come on. All right, so this word for distressed. How many of you are claustrophobic? You do not like small spaces. This word for distressed is very, you know, get in closer, closer. Like surround me, surround, there we go. See, Barry's got the, well don't get, Now let's not get. <laughs> Even if she wasn't, I wouldn't be comfortable with it, but she's right over there, okay? Closer, closer, closer. So this word for distressed is crushed. It is crippling because of my environment. And, and how many of you are like, when you get in a really tight space, you're like, okay, I, I need to, no, 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 no. I push, like, no, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you guys, appreciate that. Right? Because you don't like this, it's too tight, I cannot be here. Uh, one of my summer jobs when I was in high school, I worked for a water utility. And we would repair water lines when they would break. Uh, and oftentimes, it, now, repairing water lines is not a nice, neat um, Excel spreadsheet kind of thing to do. Right? So uh, you jump in a hole, you, you kill the mains on either side so the water stops. You jump in a hole, you dig the hole out, you get all the water out, and then you start repairing. And you don't want to dig a bigger hole than you absolutely have to because you have to fix it, all the ground, when you're done. So you dig as small a hole as possible. So you're in the hole, and the hole's like five or six feet deep, and you've dug down a couple feet below the pipe so you can stand up and work on it at kind of hip level and you look up and there's nothing but there's nothing but uh, ground all around you. And every once in a while one of your buddies one of your buddies will like step on the edge of the hole and look down and you see the the crumbles of the the dirt coming down the side of the hole. And this is how I breathed the, the entire time I was in a hole. Because I did not enjoy being in the hole. It was not cool. And that's what this word is. This word is, he was crippled by fear. I kind of forgot where I put it. I feel better now. There we go. Technology, there we go. All is good and right with the world. So he's crippled by fear. So what does Jacob do? So he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks and the herds and the camels, into two groups. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company will escape. Okay, all right, maybe, sort of. So his knee-jerk reaction is to use his own wisdom. Now what did God tell him in Genesis 28? God told him, I will... Okay, almost anything works here, because God went on for like a whole paragraph. (laughs) God said, I will bless you, and I will keep you, and I will protect you, and I will guard you, and I will make sure you get to where you're supposed to go. And Jacob goes, that's great, but I'm going to do it in my own effort. So his first instinct is to do it in his own. Then, verse 9, oh, God. Now, this is good, right? And this is generally the order in which we do things. Uh, I say we. I include you guys. I guarantee you this is the order in which I do things. I scheme and I plan and I try to work it out. And then I go, hey, God, if you could bless this, it would be fantastic. Sprinkle your magic pixie dust from heaven all over and everything will work out. Right? So what does he say? So his second instinct is to go to God. He says, O God, my father of, O God, of not mine, of my father Abraham and, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies, and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, the idea is I'm alone. And now I have become two companies. I am huge. You have done this. Deliver, I pray me, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Man, that was a pretty cool prayer, right? I mean, he acknowledged God, that it was all about God. He acknowledged that God had blessed him. He asked for his protection. This is considerably different from the last time we heard. With the last time we heard Jacob pray, the last time we heard Jacob pray, he had just woken up and God had blessed him, and he said, "Oh, and by the way, if you'll do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, then I'll serve you." Amen, in Jesus' name. Right, and that was it. And now we come to a whole other level of maturity. We kind of wonder what happened here. Verse thirteen. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. Two hundred female goats and twenty male goats. Now, just for those of you who did not grow up on a farm, why do you need more? Just don't answer. I didn't pick up the cup, right? Think about it for just a second. And you got it. Okay. And took what came to his hand. I'm sorry. Two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milk camels, those are nursing camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. And if you add it all up and do the math, it's 580 animals. Now, you guys know me. I'm the numbers guy. So I wanted to know how much this would be worth right? in today's money. Several hundred thousand dollars worth of animals. Animals are expensive. I guess you didn't know this. Several hundred thousand. And this was his gift. So if this is just his gift, what's he got that he's not given? Right? Jacob is filthy rich. So think about rich and then go like double it. He's filthy rich. See, we sometimes get a feel for how rich he is by the quality or volume of his gifts. And and we do the same thing with God, right? We we look at the gifts that God gives us and we kind of get an idea of, So, if he's giving this, how much has he got left? It's kind of cool. So, verse 16 Then he delivered them to the hands of his servants. So, his servants have 580 animals to manage at this point. So, they're like, Thanks. Appreciate you, boss. Every drove by itself. So, he separated these up into groups. And he said to his servants, Pass over before me, put some distance between successive herds. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your, here we go again, servant, Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and he is behind us. So what's he get? He's going to get all these cows. This is a present, and Jacob's coming. And all these bulls, this is a present, Jacob's coming. And all these rams and sheep and whatever else, the camels, because you apparently need a lot of camels that can milk. So this was a good thing. Verse 19. So he commanded to the second, and the third, and all who followed the droves, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. So how many times is he hearing the phrase, your servant Jacob? Your servant Jacob. Your servant Jacob. Jacob is a master communicator. If you look at the way in which he communicates with people, he's actually really, really good because he's great at staying on message and repeating the same thing, making sure that message gets beaten in. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. So the present's gone out. So Esau's got the present. Verse 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. So he sends them over the river, and he is alone. Now, think about, think about all the stuff that normally follows Jacob. All the stuff that normally follows Jacob. If he gave as a present 580 animals and enough servants to go and handle all that, do you think that he had a busy, active place around him where everything was typically nice and calm and quiet? He was very busy. He was very busy. So now, he's finally at a place where it is very quiet. And he's alone. And how many of you have ever experienced God showing up when it's quiet and you're alone because he can finally get your attention in that spot? Right? And this is what happens. This is what happens. So don't miss the psychology of this that's happening here. Verse 24, then Jacob was left left alone, and then one of the weirdest phrases in all the Bible, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. I'm sorry. Let's read that again. Jacob was left alone. Alone, circling in in And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Really? Did you think that a wrestling match was going to break out in the middle of Genesis chapter 32? How many of you saw that coming? Yeah, no, you didn't see it coming, did you? Now, how many of you have a New King James Bible in front of you? Stuart? What's different about that word man in verse 24? It's got a capital M on it. Stuart, in your theological mastery of the Bible, I want your perspective on this. Why do you think that word is capitalized? Yeah, this is a pre-manifestation of Jesus Christ. And you're like, Jesus, really? In the Old Testament? Yes, Jesus in the Old Testament. He's there too. Now, does it say that Jacob wrestled with this man? What does it say, Amy? This man, this man wrestled with him. It's a big, big difference. Jacob did not pick this fight. The college that I went to when I was a freshman, we had chapel every single day. And we would have speakers come from all around the world and speak. And there was a man that came and spoke to us, and he was from Africa. And I don't know what language he spoke in Africa, um, but he did not speak English very well at all. And if you've ever listened to someone speak a language that is not their first language, they are very careful and very specific with every word that they say because it is an effort to get every word out. And he said this phrase, I bet, a hundred times in this chapel. He said, God will wrestle with you where your faith is not in harmony with his wise and holy will. Think about that. God will wrestle with you where your faith is not in harmony with his wise and holy will. Because Jacob still wanted to do it on his own. So God comes to him here. So what happens next? Verse 25. Now when he, this is Jesus, saw that he, Jesus, did not prevail against him, Jacob, did you see that coming? So it's kind of this struggle, right? Nobody's really winning here at this point. He touched the socket of his hip, and his hip was out of joint. Now we have a uh, NCAA Division One wrestling champion in the room with us today. How many of y'all knew that? That's what you got, right, Justin? No, you're not an NCAA. Oh, okay. Did I I pumped you up a little too high there, right? Yeah, okay. He was the uh, Saudi Daisy World Champion, right? Is that, no? What were you? None of the above. All right. But you did wrestle in high school, so we'll take that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, man. Now, so when, so in wrestling, and I told Justin these would be easy questions, and I hope they are, so we'll see how much he knows about wrestling. The answer is not Jesus, okay? In wrestling... What is the mo- what is one of the most important parts of your body? Your feet. Good. What's another important part of your body? Gee whiz. I'm teeing it up here for him and he's not swinging at all. No, I'm going for your hips. Have you ever have, were you ever wrestling and your hip came out of joint? No. What would happen if your hip came out of joint while you were wrestling? Squeal like a pig. Why? Because it would hurt, like, yes, right? It would hurt like crazy. Would you be able to continue to be aggressive if your hip came out of joint? Now, most of you know that I'm a big MMA fan. I wore my MMA shirt today. This is mask, He's one of the tap-out crew. Not like the godliest guy in the world, okay? Um, But it does make a point. I watch a lot of MMA, and when somebody starts to get beat, MMA is mixed martial arts. This is physical strikes, this kind of thing. When somebody starts to get beat badly, One of the things that they typically do is the guy that's getting beat will just hold on to the other guy, right? Because I've got nothing left. I can't be aggressive. Sorry, I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Abby's like, what are you doing, Jim? He will just hold on to the other guy because that's all I've got left. He's taking his hips out, so one of his hips is out of joint. He can't be aggressive anymore. So what does Jacob do? Jacob holds on. As he wrestled with him, and he said, Jesus said, let me go for the day breaks. Let me go. He's holding on. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Again, we go back to this. Jacob's going to get a blessing out of every encounter his entire life. He is, at some point when he was very, very little, somebody communicated to him, the blessing is everything. And I bet it was his blessing as mama. Right. It actually comes back to help him here. Now, I will not go unless you bless me. So he said to Jacob, what is your name? Now, in in the New Testament, when we read stories about Jesus, what is Jesus constantly doing? He's constantly asking questions. When somebody would ask Jesus a question, what would he generally do? Ask another question. He's like, just answer something here. Right? So Jesus said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And what does Jacob's name mean? Deceiver. Jacob had to acknowledge who he really was. And this is a big deal. Because he's not going to prevail, he's not going to get out of this until he confesses the reality of his own nature. Verse 28, and Jesus said to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but... Israel, cool word, it means God prevails. Now, Justin, you and I have a wrestling match, all right, and he wins, yes. <laughs> you notice he didn't even hesitate, that was awesome, that was cool, I'll give you, that. I'll give you props for that. Right. <laughs> he and I have a, a wrestling match, and he wins, and he tells me that as a result of him winning the wrestling match, my name is now Justin Wins. Hi, my name is Justin Wins. Hi, my name is Justin Wins. Hi, my name is Justin Wins. Everywhere Jacob goes for the rest of his life. Hi, my name is God Wins. Hi, my name is God Wins. That's pretty cool, isn't it? He could never get away from this night. Ever. God Wins. That's an awesome awesome thing. He reminds him through his name. Now, did Jesus ever get in the habit of changing people's names? Yes, he did that too. So just in case you're like, I think you're on shaky ground. He looks like Jesus because he's God in the flesh. He talks like Jesus. He's renaming people like Jesus. I think it's Jesus. Okay? Now, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and men and have what? What's the word say? Overcome? Prevailed? Anybody else? Won? Whoa, 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 whoa. He's got a hip out of joint. All he's doing is holding on. How do you win? Matthew sixteen twenty-five. Jesus said, if you want to win your life, you have to lose it. See, in Christianity you win by losing, and you lose by winning. It's all backward. When you battle with God, you only win by losing. Then Jacob asked and said, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why do you ask about my name? Just answer the question. (laughs) I love it. And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, facing God, is what that means, by the way. Jacob knew who he was wrestling with. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Jesus very rarely answered questions that the person already knew the answer to. You study his questioning and answering in the Bible. So just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip, because when you meet God, you are never, ever the same again. Ever. So if, if in, your, in your walk, If you say, I met God and I got saved. My life was changed. Right? And over here, you're the same as you were over here. You didn't meet God. Or you may have met him, but nothing happened. Because when you meet God, you're never the same. You cannot meet the creator of the universe and remain the same. It does not work that way. It does not work that way. Therefore, Verse 32, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. Yeah, they avoid that part of the animal. It's a custom. It's not a commandment. Two different things. Now, Jacob has reconciled to God here. Now we're going to turn to Jacob and Esau's relationship. So Jacob did the vertical first. This is the blank. The vertical and then the horizontal. And when we try to do the horizontal and then the vertical, it doesn't work very well. Always get right with God and then get right with man. So, chapter 33, quick synopsis. They come together. Esau runs out to meet him. Verse 4, Esau ran out to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck. Literally, this is the back of the neck. Uh, Mandy, come here for a sec. I'm going to be Esau since I have more facial hair. And he's going to be Jacob since he's a little less up top. Yeah, so. whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So Esau comes out, and he puts his arms around the back of his neck, and he puts his head here, and he weeps. And he weeps, and he weeps. And last week, we talked about the back of the neck, right? We talked about the back of the neck, and I want to yank that ponytail out of the back of your neck. Y'all remember that? remember that? My wife's favorite phrase. Don't tick her off because she'll go for your ponytail. Okay, It's not cool. And this week, we've gone from the ponytail being pulled out to tears and hugging. And this is my brother. Don't, don't make it weird, okay? You started it. I know. Thank you, sir. And this is my brother. And We were separated, and now we are reconciled. Now I want you to watch what happened. Jacob and Esau, you've got to watch to get this. You have to watch me to get this. Everybody, whoop, there we go. Jacob and Esau reconciled this way. They both came together. Jacob and God, this is Jacob, Jacob and God reconciled this way. God reconciled Jacob to himself. God didn't move. He initiated the interaction, but God didn't have to move. Jacob and Esau came together. Huge, huge theological difference there. Don't want you to miss that. So they kissed him and they wept. And then we do the introductions, right? This is my family which I think would have been rather painful for Esau. Because Esau, this was, when he saw Jacob's family, this is the living out of this Abrahamic covenant that God has extended to you that he didn't to me. Right? But we see no complaint in Esau. Esau looks pretty good in chapter 33, I'll tell you. So Jacob says, I want to give you presents. I want to give you gifts. And this is a big deal in this culture because when two people come together... When they reconcile and one offers a gift to the other, if he accepts the gift, guess what? Friendship and peace forever. If he rejects the gift, enmity forever. This is a big deal, whether Esau accepted the gift or not. And Esau says, I have enough. A better way to translate that word is I have much. I have much. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob says, no, 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 no. This is big. We have, to, we have to get this done. If I have found favor in your sight, verse 10, receive my present from my hand, because I have seen your face as though I have seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you, all this stuff, because God has dealt graciously with me, and I have enough. Again, a really bad translation. Everything is the blank there. Two different Hebrew words. Esau says, I have much. Jacob says, I have everything. Now, why does he have everything? Because he just met God. Right? You, can't, you can have much without God, but you can't have everything without God. So we urged him, and he took it. Peace forever. Peace forever. So we're going to skip down. They talk back and forth, and they walk around a little bit, and they talk some more. Um... Skip all the way down to verse 20. This is talking about Jacob. Then Jacob erected an altar there. He's traveled to Shechem and called it El Elohe Israel, the mighty God of Israel. And this right here, folks, is the very first time that we have proof that it is not only the God of Abraham and Isaac, but now it is the God of Jacob. This is where it becomes the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Huge, huge deal. He's built the altar. He sacrifices here. So, what does all that mean? Well, a couple things. Uh, God will wrestle with us where our faith is not in harmony with his wise and holy will. And if you have ever been wrestled with by God, you get this and you're just like, yep, been there. Got it. Don't like that t-shirt? Right? Want another one? Second thing. Uh, God can restore impossible to restore relationships. Twenty years of I will kill you when daddy dies. Boom. From foes to friends, just like that. So, so what do I do with that personally? Uh, number one, ask God to change me first. Because a lot of times, I'll, I'll just confess here, my prayer is, God, will you just make them nice? Will you just fix this somehow? You know, Jacob prayed to God to restore this relationship. You remember that back in chapter 32? And God did it by changing Jacob. He changed Jacob. And I think Esau saw something different in Jacob. Maybe God was working in Esau's life too, but ask God to change me first. Number two, ask God to change the situation second. Right. I'm not talking about Jersey Shore, right? The situation. The situation, whatever the environment, right? Sorry. It's bad. It's an awful way to transition into prayer requests, but that's where we are. <laughs>